Thank you for listening to the Convergence Podcast. We pray that God speaks to you during this message and that he moves in your life. So um, I want to dive into scripture today. And I, I want to look at Daniel chapter 3. So if you want to turn to Daniel, you can. I want to look at Daniel chapter 6. And then I also want to look at Acts chapter 4 and 5. And so <clears throat> you guys are going to believe that I'm going to get through this in 35 minutes. Say amen. 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 All right. So we're going to go ahead. Now, here's the thing. When, when all this first started, you know, gosh, way back in March, um, in all the, you know, the, whether you call them lockdowns or whatever they, they were, one of the things that uh, was brought up is that, you know, the question is, must we always obey the, what governmental or civil authorities say? And so that has been a little bit of a controversy um, regarding lockdowns and regarding, you know, when things should open up and and I just want to answer that question this morning. I'm not going to be diving into Romans 13, but Romans 13 certainly does apply to these things. So they're very familiar portions of Scripture. Most of you are very, very familiar with these passages, except maybe the Acts chapter 4 and 5 passage. But, and I also, I do, also, because these are stories that are actually taught uh, in Sunday school, it doesn't diminish the choices that these guys had to make. I mean, life or death choices based on whether they should disobey an order or not. And so when we, when we read these stories, I, do, I don't want you to read, because I can tend to read the story and say, yeah, I, yeah, I, I heard that. But this morning in worship, I, I just was asking the Lord, make these, make these stories um, real to me, like what these guys really had to face in the choices they had to make. So the first one is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And everyone say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I know I'm probably not saying that totally accurate, but that's the way. Bill, now, what did the veggie tales? Shaq, Rack, and Benny, all right? So if you know veggie tales... And who? And Runny? All right, Benny. Uh, anyway, um, so let me just kind of set the stage for you guys. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, everyone say that. Nebuchadnezzar, don't name your kids that. It's too long. It's too, hard to, it's too hard to spell. Nebuchadnezzar was actually the king, was the, was, was, uh, the man that was in authority. And we see a lot of that in Daniel. Daniel uh, was a prophet, uh, but Daniel served three kings. Um, he served Nebuchadnezzar, he served Cyrus, and he served, uh, I think it's Cyrus, and then Darius. So as you guys know, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Abednego Abed, anyway, uh, they were actually taken, taken into captivity by the Babylonians. So everything that they were, were raised with, the culture they were raised with, everything that they were brought in, Babylon goes ahead, conquers Judah, and takes uh, the, the prized, if I can say that, the prized ones, and they brought them into Babylon, and they began to, in Daniel chapter 1, those who were 
ladies, if you're, if you're single and you're looking for a guy who loves God, pray that God gives you a Daniel 1.4, all right? A Daniel 1.4. So all of you are turning to that right now. And so I'm just going to go ahead and read it. A Daniel 1.4, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, quick to understand, and you need that in a relationship, quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. Good-looking, understanding, walks in wisdom, loves God. You know, like, that's a pretty good beginning point, right, for all you single ladies. So I always say, when I was a youth pastor, pray, ladies, pray for the Daniel 1-4, and then, of course, the guys pray for the Proverbs 31 woman. So, um, which is, I don't know if anyone can measure up to a Proverbs 31 woman. That, that list is daunting, you know, um, which we're not going to go into right now. We're just, we're just not going to go into that right now. All right. Okay, so now they've got the, okay, Wendy's talking to me. Um, so so we have, the, we have these, these four guys who are brought into Babylon into a completely weirded out culture. So you are brought in from one culture right into another, and they chose the, the prized ones, and they tried to develop them in the in the manner of the Babylonian whatever, and four guys stood out, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel. And so that's kind of the, the, the pretext of what's, and they, were, they, were, they, they had the favor of God on them, but they failed, they failed to compromise, or they, I should say, they did not compromise, and they withheld their biblical convictions, their Jewish convictions in the middle of a culture that was hostile toward God. And so what we see here in Daniel chapter 3 is we see Nebuchadnezzar sets up a 90-foot idol. And I don't know how, I don't know how tall this roof is, but I'm six foot one or two. I was six foot two in high school. I might not be six foot two now. But um, so I was thinking, like, that's about 30 yards. And so that's how big this idol was. And it says here that, um, that it says, let's just pick it up in verse 2 of, uh, chapter, of chapter 3 of Daniel. It says, or actually verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and, six, uh, and with 6 cubits. I'm reading New King James, so that's why you see cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. The king Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, some people thought that was actually an image of himself. So the satraps and the administrators and the governors and the counselors and the treasurers, uh, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials in the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image of, uh, that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up and that stood before the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had stood up. And the herald cried out to you, uh, 
to you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. All right, so, so I just want you to know that there's no gray area here. As soon as the music is played, if you don't fall down and worship when the music's played before this idol, you're going to get killed. And I don't know if you ever burnt yourself, but you're cast into a fiery furnace. So those are your two options. Either you worship or you die. Either you bow down to the idol or you face a fiery furnace. There's no court sessions. There's no lawyers. It's either you worship or you die or you face the fiery furnace. No, there was actually, there's actually no middle ground whatsoever. So at that time, verse 7, so at that time when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre in symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans, verse 8, came forward and accused the Jews they spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast in the midst of the fiery furnace. There are certain Jews, I think they were actually set up personally because Daniel was set up. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, so they were highly promoted. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and in fury, I don't know what that actually looks like, his face might have gnarled up, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so they brought these men before the king. There's an order given, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego ignore the order. That's where we're at. So Nebuchadnezzar, because there's always a cost involved. You always have to measure the cost. So Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image? which I have set up, question mark. Now, if you, all, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound, the horn, the flute, lyre, psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music and fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who, and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have no idea that God's going to deliver them. But you can see the pride of Nebuchadnezzar, right? So, 
And he thought for sure, based on, on how he phrased the question, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will just go ahead and go for it. And just, they'll just fall down. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the, to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. That's brutal to say to a king. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you set up. Okay, you have to have biblical, biblical convictions. If the convictions are in place, the decision is easy. When the convictions aren't in place, decisions become much more difficult. So did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have a conference Zoom call on like what they should do? I think that they had biblical convictions. They had a conviction that we are served no other gods because that's how they were raised in Judah, which is trans, you know, translated praise. In this place of praise, they had a conviction that they serve God and, and they serve him only and we will not bow down, though we'll, we're going to lose our lives. That's the cost. Because when there's a biblical conviction, there's certainly clarity that comes through that and then there's a choice. And that choice is always measured, that, that choice always has a cost attached to it. So they make the choice based on their convictions that they are not going to bow down. And these guys know that their life is on the line. This is real. Like, we don't know if they're married. We don't know if they have kids. We know that they were young. They're probably in their maybe late 20s, early 30s. But that's how old they probably are because they were taken young. They were actually in this place of influence. I think they were set up here, but they had to make a choice, and that is, if we go, we will not, so the conviction is very easy. The biblical conviction is very easy. We're not going to bow down to this, to this idol. We serve God and serve him alone, and that means if we die for it, we die for it. The Nebuchadnezzar, this is why I think Nebuchadnezzar was going to like, oh, come on, you guys are going to bow down, right? The Nebuchadnezzar, full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. That's really hilarious to me. A furnace is a furnace. I mean, if you're thrown into a furnace, you're going to die. So that just tells you, I mean, the king's like, heat it up seven times. Okay. That just kind of tells you the degree of how ticked off he was. And he commanded certainly mighty men of valor who were in his army to, to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. And then these men bound them, their coats, their trousers, their turbans, their other garments, and they were cast in the midst of the fiery furnace. Therefore, because of the king's command was urgent, and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed the men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they're approaching the furnace. It's so hot that the, the guys that were bringing them in, the mighty men of valor, bringing them to the furnace, were destroyed. They were killed. I don't know if they were like disintegrated. I don't know if they melted. I have, I have no idea. I don't know if the smoke got them, the heat, smoke, but they died. 
And these three men, Shadrach, and, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the fiery furnace. Then, the, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, did, not, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said, true, O king. Verse 25, look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. I mean, we know who was in the fire, and he's in the fire with you, and he'll pull you through. So what's amazing here in this passage is that Nebuchadnezzar begins to praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, lays out a decree that that's the God that we, that we serve. And then verse 30, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. An order was given, simply stated, an order was given, an order was ignored. All right? Daniel chapter 6, let's turn there. I might not have time to develop it as, I was thinking I probably should have ran through Daniel 3 a little quicker. So now Daniel, still part of the three, you know, Jewish guys, the Hebrew kids, right, that are there in Babylon, there's a plot against Daniel. Let's pick it up, 6-1. It pleased Darius to, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, sound like mouse, tra- anyway, <laughs> to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, again, we're talking about governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give an account to them that they would, uh, that, 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 so that the king would suffer no loss. Then, then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors. He distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps because of his excellent spirit that was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So that got out. So the governors, the satraps, sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning uh, the kingdom, but they could, not, they could not find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. I mean, to be a worker in the secular environment and do it well with excellence that no one in the company can find fault in you. I mean, the way Daniel patterned his life in a secular culture where there could be accusation against him trying to find fault in him, he had such an excellent spirit as a worker, as a government official, that they couldn't find any fault in him. They, I just encourage you guys in the workplace, live and lead your life in such a way that people can't find accusations or charge against you. So they actually had to create something in order to, in order to get Daniel trapped. So that's what they did. Verse 5, then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. King Darius, live forever. I don't know. I just think that's funny. 
All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators, the satraps, the counselors, the advisors, have consulted together to establish a royal statute that, uh, and to make firm a decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast in the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius, not really smart right now, therefore, King Darius signs the written decree. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, when the writing is signed, it becomes law. When the, this is not just an order. This is a, this is a law. So now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, so Daniel doesn't, he understands what's going on. He understands that this is now law. He went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. So Daniel hears about the law. Daniel ignores the law. Why? Because he has a greater conviction toward God. And he knew that if I pray right now, it's going to cost me. So Daniel goes, he hears about the law. He goes to the upper room. He does not go and close the window and the blinds to the window and prays. He leaves the window open. Everyone says he opened the window. No, the scripture says the window was already open. So he was already visible when he prayed. And so these guys, whoever these satraps and governors are, they're watching Daniel because they they want to frame him and they want to entrap him because of the law. And Daniel makes a choice. And he recognizes that that choice is going to cost him, potentially cost him his life. But he makes the choice anyway based on his convictions of who God is. So he he goes inside. He doesn't close the window and pray in secret, which would be totally okay to pray because God's going to hear you anyway. He leaves the window open as usual, and he prays three times that day, which is what his custom was. So anyway, verse 12, and they went to the king and they spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree? They kind of go over this whole thing about the decree, verse 13. So they answered and said before the king that Daniel, who was one of the captives of Judah, does not show due regard to you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver Daniel. But these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no decree or statue which the king establishes may be changed. In other words, they had him in a corner. 
So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the lion's den. Daniel knew what it would cost. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Wow, that's amazing. My voice changed. <laughs> then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the, of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of the Lord's, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Verse 18. Now the king went to his palace and spent that night fasting. No musicians were brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the lion's den. So he, he's, he's mourning. He's fasting. No, I mean, I guess they had musicians play every night. I don't want to talk to the musicians. I don't want to see anybody. I'm not going to eat anything. I don't know what to do. This really troubles me. So he, he, he awakens in verse 19, the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel, thinking that he's dead. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And to his surprise, Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel. The angel supported his decision. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I, have found, I was found innocent before him, before him, capital H. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up and out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den and no injury, what, no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. And I just feel sorry for the guys who tried to entrap him. Because look at verse 24. This is somber right here. This is sober, just thinking about this. And the king gave a command and said, and they brought, gave a command, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast them in the lion's den. So the very ones who are trying to frame Daniel, the king is ticked off, and he cast those men in the lion's den, them, their children, and their wives, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Then the king, then King Darius wrote to all the people, nations, languages that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. What a turnaround. And then he says, for he is the living God. Now, this is a king, right? He is a living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure 
to the end. He delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus, Persia. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are promoted. Daniel prospered in Darius's reign. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego make a choice based on biblical convictions that they're going to serve God primarily, and then they'll serve, let's say, the government. What I love about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, is that they all, they tried to, they served the government well. They served secular kings well. Kings prospered with them in high places. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't violent and complaining toward the king. They actually served him, served them to actually make them great and that for the kingdom to be successful. But when it came down to what God says and what they say, the choice was easy. The cost was high. The choice was easy, the cost was high. I don't think Daniel, honestly, I don't think Daniel hesitated one minute on whether he should actually close the windows and the blinds, close those windows in, this, in, the up, in that room or not. He hears the decree, he goes up the stairs, and he prays. And God delivers him. So here it is. I don't have time to get to the book of Acts. Maybe I'll hit that next week because Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5 are, it's crazy. You guys, just go ahead and read the first five chapters. Actually, the first six chapters of the book of Acts this week. In the book of Acts, we see prison. We see threats. We see beatings. When I'm talking about beatings, I'm talking about being flogged. I'm talking about taking 39 lashes. And I've had, this, I've had the chance to go through the book of Acts at least twice in this season, and I'm looking at it actually through a new lens. Persecution, opposition, jealousy, envy, title, control, like these things, and these guys never backed down from what God commanded. Never. In fact, in Acts chapter 5, I think it says, they counted it worthy to suffer for his name. And that opens up some things for us to at least consider moving into next week. And that is that we have to, when it comes down to order orders that conflict with God's commands, we are to obey God primarily. Now, you can look at that any way you want, but, but God is the higher authority. In fact, government is delegated by God to actually 
be entrusted to enforce good and not evil. So when it comes to our decision on what God is saying, we always, always, 100% obey God instead. Now, you have to apply wisdom, and you have to measure the cost in the choice. But in the scriptures, I don't see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego like having a council meeting. They could have, but I don't see that. I see that they make a stand. I see Daniel makes a stand, not because they just want to make a stand. They're making a stand based on conviction. And what we see with Nebuchadnezzar, the end result is that Nebuchadnezzar praises the God of heaven. We see with Daniel, we see Darius praising and decreeing the greatness of the God of heaven. But it wasn't before the fiery furnace or the lion's den. And there might be a time where we're going to face the crucible of a lion's den or a fiery furnace. God forbid that that would ever happen. But we have to hold to the conviction of what God is saying and what God says. And based on, in fact, I got to roll, I got to wrap this up. What's interesting, uh, I won't even say it. That'll be next week. Because that's going to lead me down this bunny trail and I just, I don't want to, I don't want to, because I'll just go another 10 minutes, 20, 30 minutes, whatever. So we're supposed to pray, right? We're supposed to intercede. It's our number one priority in this season. It's our number one priority, period. But especially in this season. We're supposed to hear from heaven and respond to what the Father is saying. We're also to understand the word of God and keep the word of God and the commands of God our highest priority in the middle of that season. And there are some that are facing heavy persecution. What we don't want to do is begin to say, well, you know, they're doing this and they're doing that and that's the reason why they're getting... If, we're, if you really... I just challenge you to read through... Okay, okay, the first eight chapters of the book of Acts, all right? Because it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 1... There was a heavy persecution. They were dragging Christians out of houses. Paul was doing it. Saul was doing it. Some were even killed. And in Acts chapter 4, what did they do? They prayed for greater boldness. They counted it worthy. This is crazy. They, they just got done being beaten. 39 lashes. That means there's blood blood on their backs. This is Peter and John, blood on their backs. They go back and they're with the church, the ecclesia. They're meeting with ecclesia and they're counting it worthy to suffer for the name. Jesus says, if they hate me, they will hate you. Now, I'm not saying that's a badge that we wear. I'm saying that the word of God will rub up against a godless culture. Yes. Always choose the word. Amen. And we talked about this, didn't we? We talked about this. For, I laid a foundation for three weeks of why God's given us the word. 
is because the foundation of the Word of God is the love of God. God is love. That means every command in Scripture is saturated in love, which is seeking our highest good, always. Always to protect and provide for us. And that's the conviction we carry. We want to bring the gospel to the world. We want to give them the good news. This is never about us versus them. This is about us standing for truth because sometimes the pulpit is the last thing standing for truth. We stand for truth. We stand on truth. We preach fearlessly. We live fearlessly. We move with compassion. We move with love. We move with intercession and we serve people well. But we don't compromise our stand out of love. Does that make sense? Out of love. We can do this well in this season. We can do this well in this season. And many of us, I I would say, I'll just say to all of y'all, that's not country, but anyway, to all y'all, you guys have done so well. In fact, if you're at home with somebody watching service or you're here, just turn to someone to say, man, you're doing this so well. Just go ahead. Just encourage someone next to you. You're doing this so well. Yeah, but you, you don't understand the struggle I've gone through. You don't understand the pain of me. You don't understand how angry I am at some of these things. Listen, we haven't traveled down this road before. This is all new territory. But we do have the word which never changes. You know, someone says new roads require new maps. That's true. But the word of God never changes. It's forever settled in heaven. This is our anchor right here. Christ is the cornerstone. That is where we go. But when we make a stand, when we have to make a stand, let's make the stand. Not because of anything spiteful. It's we make a stand because we love Jesus and we we understand who God is. And I know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel were Old Testament, but nonetheless, the stand is still there in the New Testament. Just read the book of Acts. We need wisdom. Let's ask the Lord for wisdom. I just got done reading all the Proverbs. I'm so convicted when I read Proverbs. Let's, Let's be wise, but let's be courageous. Let's not use fear. Let's don't masquerade. Don't masquerade fear and say it's wisdom. That makes sense. And God has awakened the bride. There should be an amen on that. God has awakened the bride, and and so I think the greatest force in the world is the ecclesia of God, not the church as we have defined it. It's the ecclesia of God carrying the government of God. The government is on his shoulder. His government is on his shoulder. This is governmental. So we want to pray, right? We want to pray for our president. We want to pray for the cabinet. We want to pray for the governor, our California governor. We want to pray for the state, you know, legislature. We want to pray. And it's not prayer. It's like God, enlighten. Pray a, a good prayer 
Saul on the Damascus road, going, going to Damascus to persecute Christians, he has an encounter, changes his life forever. So for those who don't know the Lord, all it takes is an encounter to change everything. God is in control. He's sovereign. He's got us. I want to encourage you with that. Right? Let your attitude smile a lot. Be filled with joy. That's another thing I'm learning. These people in the book of Acts, they were filled with joy. And I'm like, what do you think? You just got 39 lashes. They were filled with joy. How can you get 39 lashes and be filled with joy? They were. That's a good prayer for us. It's a good prayer for us. Bring the kingdom this week. Bring the kingdom this week. Serve well. Love well. Have compassion. If you can, put your arms around somebody. If you don't, put your, you know, whatever they do these days. You know, fist bump. Don't hit them in the face, but like a fist bump. Pray. All right, let's all, let's all stand. Those of you, even in your house, if you want to you want to stand, you can stand. We're going to have ministry. We'll have some ministry here. We'll have ministry online. You can go ahead and do a Zoom link that's in the YouTube. Go for that. Do that. Next week, I really want to hit um, Acts 4 and 5. So anyway, I don't want to give it away. It's just... So, Father, in this season that we're in, we ask that you would give us wisdom. Fill us with the love of God. God, let let it flow out of us into our culture, into our workplaces. It's your kindness that draws people to repentance. Let the kindness and the favor of the Lord rest on us And may we deliver the good news of Jesus to those that you have put before us. Lord, we pray for these divine appointments this week. God, I pray for your people that you would fill them with hope, you'd fill them with joy, there would be a refreshing from heaven in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray from the overflow that we would impact culture regardless of the season. And when the culture is antagonistic, Lord God, may the light of your love just so permeate from us that it would actually bring people into this place of conviction where they would come to know Christ. Holy Spirit, we know that you're the one who draws people to Jesus. We just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would do this in so many places, Lord, in California and the Bay Area and the nation, in the name of Jesus. Mm. Lord, I pray that you would continue to provide for your people. Pray, God, that they would find this place, this, this, this shadow, this place under your wing where they, they find their place of security in the middle of the storm. May we deliver hope this week. May we see many come to Christ. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. For more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to our channel. God bless.